All right, guys, I am super excited for today's episode. Building on the last last episode, pain is not bad, it's unpleasant. We're talking about three steps on using pain to learn and not to suffer, which is big. Big promise, right? It's really useful for able to do that. So you're back. Thank you for coming back on the With Joe Eby podcast. We're really deep now into exploring How We're Wired, which is the first series done a whole stack of episodes on that and if you're new to the podcast remember you can go back to the start and consume all the episodes in the order they were made because they do kind of build on each other and refer back but if you're here that's all right you're gonna learn something today anyway i reckon you're gonna learn three steps i think on using pain to learn not suffer so let's do it i love the example of exercise when we think about that role that pain plays and to recap briefly last episode talking about yeah, pain's not bad. It's just unpleasant because pain equals a learning opportunity plus an unpleasant experience, unpleasant experience, which is the carrier for that learning. So on a real physical level and tangible example, when we exercise, if you think about working out at the gym or going for a run, the experience in the moment is normally painful. Now, if you were to map the time you spent doing the exercise, and map the time you enjoyed what you were doing versus the time you felt pain during what you were doing, the sum wouldn't really add up. It would be most of the time, especially going for a run, most of the time would kind of be panting, short of breath, going through pain, muscles aching. And then the real joy comes from the release of tension at the end, kind of like what we talked about in the episodes about games and what makes a game enjoyable. The release of tension and the sense of accomplishment kind of brings the, the journey to a meaningful halt. But the experience when you're doing it is painful, technically, but it's what we call good pain, which is so oxymoronic, right? The idea of having good pain. But it's because we clearly see the use of the pain. That's what gives us a better framing. That pain is probably worse than a lot of the other little pains we have no regard for and avoid altogether, like pricking your finger, burning your hand a little bit. The, the, The experience of running a marathon is probably more painful more excruciating it's certainly stretched out over a longer longer time frame all right when you get those doms the next day after a big gym workout sorry i always hit this bloody microphone that's enough pain to teach me a lesson so all these all these things we reflect on their value so we overcome the pain and we push through the barrier not all of us some are better some are better than others better at it than others uh, yeah, but that's that's kind of a really good example. The pain, what's actually going on? Our muscles are kind of, especially when we're working out, our muscles are kind of tearing a little bit. And then they kind of come back together and reform as a as a muscle mass when we're working out in the gym. And so the pain is literally the process of the change actually taking place. So that's the kind of physical example. All right, so we can think about the same thing happening with the other forms of pain. When we go through emotional or psychological pain, kind of our mental state is kind of being torn apart. But what it really is, is the opportunity for it to then reconnect back together in a better way. Kind of how sometimes to fix something like a, you know, a, a faulty toilet or a light globe, you kind of got to take it apart, destroy it in a way, and then put it back together. Right? You can't reshape it when it's existing in whole and all the parts are pulled together. The way I conceptualize it is much the same way.
So step one, right, for overcoming the whole pain part of the learning not, and the suffering part of pain is journey, not destination. Okay, so when we're focused on a destination only, where we're going, we only want to get there. So we will take the shortest route possible or cheat the most amount we can to get to that outcome. That's not bad sometimes when we actually just want to get the outcome. Like why do more exercise than you need to? But also the journey there is one we need to appreciate. Because often there'll be painful bumps along the road. But those actually required to build the journey. So by focusing on destinations, we kind of become a little bit more outcome oriented and less tolerant for the pain. And we therefore don't value it as much. Right? So for example, if you're working out and exercising only to get in a certain shape, as they say, once you get in that shape, you lose the motivation to exercise, which will probably lead you back into old habits, which will probably make you lose the progress you did. Whereas the thing I used to, when I was still going to the gym, I had, had my gym membership, the thing I got out of it most after I kind of got in shape, the shape I wanted was mental clarity every day, feeling rejuvenated and being able to char charge at the day with full energy. And that was more of a journey, that's more of a, felt like more of a journey for me, it's not a fixed outcome. So understanding the journey we're on and trying and something, we, especially journeys where we want to learn to improve the quality of that journey are made more powerful with that perspective. Uh, step two is what I call upside stacking and downside protection. And these are basically just principles of investing. We cap the pain that we're going to experience and that we're exposed to, right? So there's um, plenty of examples. Obviously, the, the famous business example is the whole Richard Branson with uh, Virgin, which was negotiating when, when they first started Virgin, negotiating to be able to sell the planes back to Boeing if, it didn't, if the company didn't work out in the first year um, because they wanted to protect their downside, right? They didn't want their exposure to be as big if things, if the worst happened. Uh, so that's a very powerful example of basically protecting the downside, but also stacking the upside. So for example, uh, this podcast, right? Doing this takes time. It's time that might, you know, be wasted. I could have spent it on other things. What if I don't realize good outcomes out of it? So a really good way of de-risking the experience of doing this podcast is to stack the upside. So it's relevant to other work I'm doing with Duhat Labs, which is all about rethinking education altogether and lowering the barrier to entry and opening a thousand doors. You know, it helps talk about ideas, which will probably be part of important books I plan to write. It also helps me connect with friends. A lot of my friends are the first listeners to this podcast and it opens up really amazing conversations with them, all right? It's an opportunity to open other doors in life and open up other opportunities that I can't even predict right now. The podcast episodes sit around forever. There's no need to ever take them down once they're up. There's no effort or maintenance required in keeping the information up there so it can always be found. It's kind of like always having this asset which can do so many different things. So any pain of involved in the experience or any failure is kind of protected against by stacking the upside and all the good things that can come out of it. 
So any any of the effort that is involved in going into it, into planning episodes, editing, you know, the cost of the social media uh, management and anything like that, right? Any of the negatives, the downside on those is kind of protected by making sure that there's so much to come out of it, provides way more motivation than is needed to just do the podcast, apart from the fact that it's just fun. So especially when we maximize the learning we get, get out of things, it makes the pain more productive to go through. So we're never going to opt into too much pain, right? We're never going to deliberately get in a romantic arrangement where we're going to have a messy breakup, right? We're never going to get into a business venture where we're going to lose millions and millions of dollars. We're never going to deliberately go into a situation where we get massively publicly shamed and embarrassed and outed for something really kind of embarrassing about us, right? Kind of like the... Who's the guy? It's uh, Paul Giamatti's character in Billions in, in, I believe it's season four. It comes about out about his dark sexual um, tendencies. Right? We're, not, we're just not going to do things like that uh, consciously. So we're always protecting the downside on the pain, but it's different to avoiding pain. There are always risks. There are always potential downsides. Can't avoid them, but we know that there's learning there. So what we do is we try and pull the levers a bit with the whole upside stacking, which is normally the learning and the journey upside we get. Learning is always something we can maximize in what we're doing. It's always present all that we do. But we can also try and cap the pain and protect against it. Sometimes we can neutralize it altogether. right? But if it's time efficient, if it doesn't require much money to do, the effort we have to put in is not actually that bad and we leverage other people, we get other forms of leverage to do a thing, we're lowering the downside and the potential pain and exposure. Now, step three is something I call the slingshot mechanism. So this is one of, I think, the most important ideas I think I've talked about in any of my work. Apologies, it hasn't really fit thematically to do a whole podcast on it yet, but it certainly is whole podcast, if not whole stream worthy. The slingshot mechanism is basically the idea of uh, rebounding from failure and why failure is nothing to fear at all. So when you think about a slingshot, slingshot gets pulled back, right? It's a rubber band, it's elastic, right? And it gets pulled back. And that's the in this metaphor, that's the setback. The further you get pulled back reflects the worst something has gone and the most pain you've experienced. You've gone in the wrong direction, you've gone backwards. But the further back you pull, the more energy you actually have with a slingshot to fire a rebounding shot. In other words, the worst case scenario always becomes the best case scenario from one perspective. What you need is the ability to see it. The best example I've ever thought, well, there are countless examples from business failures that teach people so much that it leads to their actual next success. You know, not getting that train, which led to saving your life or whatever, but also enabled you to see the other opportunity. Steve Jobs, you know, being kicked out of um, Apple led to other companies like Pixar and then he comes back to Apple and it kind of gave him a wake-up call. There's always examples of the slingshot mechanism in amazing journeys and stories we hear about, but also the people in our own lives, very humble everyday stories and examples. My favorite example is probably Nelson Mandela. It's one of the most um, dramatic examples. So if you think about Nelson Mandela, I actually calculated this when I made the, the blog post on the slingshot mechanism. 
that he spent about 28.3% of his life in prison, all right, for standing up against uh, apartheid in South Africa. So what's the slingshot in his life? He's lost so much time in his own life. He didn't really get any of that back. When you take a self-transcendent view and you think about bigger beyond ourselves, right, that had a huge slingshot impact for society. Would his story be nearly as powerful if he hadn't spent so much time in prison? Such a painful experience. Didn't he teach everyone so much, including people within his own country? So if you think about that learning, hang on. The learning's not just within you and your own learning, but it can be collective. His slingshot is one of the most powerful of all time and what it's done for humanity and what it's taught us overall and given us bravery and a sense of justice. So the slingshot is, the principle around that is, there's pain that we wouldn't opt into. We always protect the downside. Like I said, we're not going to opt into adding ourselves right to the public about our dark sexual acts like Paul Giamatti in uh, uh, Billions, the TV show. But when he does that, because he takes ownership of it, the worst case scenario becomes the best case scenario in the show. And it actually endears him to voters and the public for being honest and open. It builds trust. It becomes the best case scenario. It was becoming the worst case scenario because everyone was finding out about him. So they're powerful examples like that all the time. But we won't opt into those situations because they're so painful we don't want to go there. Right? My father learned incredible lessons in life about appreciating the time he had with family because his own father died at an early age from, from a heart attack, surprisingly. So it's made him appreciate life more and family more. And for that reason, he always spent a lot of time with us growing up and didn't just spend it all working. But we don't opt into situations where we lose loved ones just for the lessons it can teach us. Right? It's, we're not objective about just doing the thing where we learn the most. Again, we're more sensitive to pain than we are to pleasure and reward. It's a very, very powerful idea, right? But when it happens, we can. It's happened. It normally happens out of our control. We normally rearrange the whole thing and turn it to an advantage. So the point of this episode is not is a little bit misleading. It's not actually that we can get rid of pain altogether or avoid it. We can reduce it and cap it to when it's not worthwhile, which is the investing metaphor, which is step two, which is weighing the downside and the upside. And then not just weighing them, but then trying to fix the weighting. So make sure the upside is so big that any pain will almost be inconsequential. But then even if we suffer a really painful experience, we use the slingshot. This perspective for me removes any fear of failure. I normally get the impu- impulse of a fear of failure, which is Astro sending a fear when I'm about to do something big, like maybe launch our book coming up. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a really big step. So much involved. What if it actually doesn't get that many sales? But then I realize the downside protection has been done so well and the upside is so big and limitless that I don't really have anything to worry about, right? I enjoyed the process even if not a single book is sold, which is great. And um, sorry, the other point has temporarily escaped me. Oh yeah, well the slingshot, even if it goes terribly, I'll learn more than I did if it had gone well because no one deliberately opts into failure. So that means those lessons are rarer. So they're more precious. 
So I find that very powerful. So you're prompt then if, and hopefully you can kind of take up the same mindset and you just really, once you reflect on everything, you have no reason to actually be afraid of anything anymore because of the slingshot principle. Um, but you can prompt today is to maybe write down an example of a pain experience, even if it was what we talked about yesterday, that really big, most painful experience in your life, which is probably the most emotional. Therefore, you didn't really look at the learning as objectively and clearly as you could have. But now you can write down what the unpleasant experience part of that was and what the uh, learning part of that was. And you can compare the difference. And you can look at the learning for what it was, right? And, and talk about it, which will make you kind of get more out of that painful experience. You might as well, it's already happened. But then the painful experience, right? You, you're not gonna deny it. It happened, it was unpleasant. It's kind of like what I think about now and I try and, you know, get better at, you know, you talk, you have certain disappointments, maybe you miss an opportunity, maybe, you know, you have a fallout with a friend or someone romantically, and you think, oh, I don't wanna be upset about that. Well. You know, again, we can't avoid and just neutralize pain altogether. It, it should be unpleasant. It is. But it shouldn't derail us. It shouldn't throw us completely off track forever. That's not a proportionate emotional response. That's a, that's a misshapen response, maladaptive, astro. So it's not denying, but it's writing it down. Yes, this was unpleasant. But separately to that, this is how I felt, but separately to that, this is what I've learned. And when you focus on what you've learned out of it, instead of denying the unpleasant, your bucket for that idea, for that experience improves. You're given the bad part of the memory competition for something much better, something that blooms out of it, which gives you more confidence going forward because you know, wow, I learned so much, even if something else bad happens, I've learned more to prepare me for that and I'll be able to navigate it better. And even if it goes bad again, I'm just going to learn even more which even if I run out of time to enjoy all these learnings, then they'll become more useful for other people beyond me, Nelson Mandela. It's hard to lose. So, And then that unlocks your courage to go and live the thousand doors. We've come full circle to the central theme of this podcast, the thousand doors. That's what it's all about. And what is the best way to open a thousand doors for you? you got to remember by now, I say it at the end of every bloody podcast episode, it's to concentrate on opening doors for others. This has been the With Joey B podcast, and we will be back again tomorrow. <laughs>